Sorry I'm late, I was just brewing coffee. Hey, can you say that salad dressing that is like a farm? I'm blanking. I can't even think of a single salad dressing. That is like a creamy salad dressing. Oh, yeah. So now, well, I'm trained, you see. Mm. Uh, British Edwin would say ranch. But American (laughs) Edwin says ranch. (laughs) (laughs) Was it it because people wouldn't understand you? Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, absolutely. Same with water as well. Wait, wait staff are completely baffled by this crazy new word they've never heard of. <laughs> That's so, water. Yeah. They're like, the war? <laughs> so I remember when I was in the Philippines, um, someone would ask the wait staff, hey, can I get uh, one bowl of rice? Mm-hmm. Right. And then the wait staff would be like, what? Like, what? What? Right? And then a friend of mine who speaks Filipino would simply go, isang bowl of rice. And they'd be like, ah! <laughs> it's the same words. It's the same words. Just, you know, and they'd be pointing up one finger saying like one, right? In <laughs> yes. both instances. It'd just be the difference of one and isang, <laughs> which is like <laughs> the minimal part of the that sentence. Yeah, I wonder, like, there probably must be some linguistic studies done on this. Like, if right. you're, like, if there's one thing you're not expecting, suddenly right. your whole comprehension of a whole sentence goes out of alignment and you're like, what? Yeah, I wonder even if it's, like, the same, exact same voice and intonation and structure, but it's coming out of, like, um, different, like, ethnically, differently ethnically looking people. Mm. I wonder if there's, like, a bias in terms of comprehension. Yeah, I wonder that too. Like, I look like a Swedish person, but in fact, I'm British. <laughs> so I have an update. Yes. And that was, I got the tax on cookies and cakes in the UK argument the wrong way around. Oh. In last week's show. Shame upon me as a British person. Mm. It turns out, well, yeah, it's the small things, but it turns out that the tax is on cookies, cookies. not on cakes, which is why a Jaffa cake they are actually a cake. And I think they won the court case to say that they are a cake. legally a cake. Yeah. Gotcha. Would you, so would you, you agree that was a cake? Uh, yes, it is cakey. When you bite into it, it is a cakey thing. I think that was one of the arguments they made. Mm. Yeah, like it's not a really a cookie texture. Right. It's not like crumbly or like, you know, it doesn't like really break. <laughs> yes. It softly falls on your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the case they also like someone made a cake size Jaffa cake. <laughs> Which is kind I of think amazing. they sell that now. It's called oh, the the big Jaffa cake. If they don't, they 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 should. I really hope they do. We finished that on the first day <laughs> in our squad room. Yeah, they are quite good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I used was... to have a friend at school who would carefully bite off all the chocolate then <laughs> eat the sponge and then just be left with the orange the <laughs> orange disc of jelly yeah <laughs> he had quite a lot of time in his hands <laughs> how are the jammy dodgers they're good um but i'm now on a diet oh no so <laughs> you mean jammy dodgers are not diet food no unfortunately i had one <laughs> mm. and then i started my diet and then now <laughs> I hope of... that wasn't the trigger for the diet. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay. okay. 
<laughs> oh my god, what is this? Uh, we also have to play code names as well. We do. Which we uh, have yeah. failed oh. to this week, but I also have an update. We've been planning at the office uh, International Tabletop Day, which is on April thirtieth. How exciting! That is going to be a full day. You see how I tried to be excited for that? <laughs> <laughs> that sounded. You said how exciting, and but that sounded like I'm not showing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're most likely going to be playing lots of games then. Yeah, we can play code code names. Yeah, well, hopefully we shouldn't need a once a year event to trigger us to do that. But right. we'll try. I am still loving the blue Wrigley's extra. Hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Jaffa Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then one Jammy Dodger. Um, I, nice. have, I have stolen the coffee. Mm, I shall pass along the Jammy Dodgers back to you since I can no longer eat it. Okay, yes. And we still have the tea pigs. Oh, we do. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh, yeah. I might have to come and steal some of those because I'm getting a little bit bored of the tea selection at work. Mm. So. Yeah. They don't change them around. They don't. Although, yeah. Although they're uh, very good. They are good. And then my mind was so blown when uh, a colleague of ours just mixed two of the tea what? leaves together to make their own blend. Why did I not think of that until right. now? Yes. <laughs> I should explain that at the office we have like a make your own tea bag thing. Like it turns out making a cup of tea isn't as easy as just throwing a tea bag in some water. You now have to make your own tea bag so there's like a little pouch and then you can scoop the leaves in Mm -hmm. and you get there's some nice flavors there there's like um there's like an earl gray cream yeah yeah which is actually quite good Mm -hmm. i will i will indulge in that sometimes there is a breakfast blend yeah there's like a blueberry one there's a couple of like yeah Yeah. herbal ones blueberry um uh, a minty one tea one yeah there's also like a the red bush i like the red bush too the I Roy, have that quite often. Roy Boss one. Roy Boss, Red Bush. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I I have that pretty much. I have that most days. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I didn't, why did it never occur to me to I know. mix? Yeah. Okay. I will try Blueberry and Earl Grey. Yeah. That sounds I good. call it Blue Grey. <laughs> also my favorite color. <laughs> Other news about this podcast in fact mm. ha 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 uh, we're gonna kind of shuffle around the release schedule so now instead of you having your new show at the beginning of the week we are now going to move to a end of the week so instead of starting your week fresh you're gonna have to trawl through that week <laughs> and then we're gonna end the week with the excitement of a new episode right Just on the, the Friday so yeah that's right so instead of a Monday morning release we are moving to a Friday Hmm. Friday, sometime on Friday. We you shall have to find out when. I think that just makes the production cycle a little easier. Like mm-hmm. I kind of want my weekends back because <laughs> right. I found out that I was spending four or five hours editing a show on a Saturday, which is fun, mm-hmm. obviously. But it turns out that Saturdays are also good for other things rather than just <laughs> editing a couple of hours of audio down. You so, can't. You yeah. can't knit and edit audio at the same time, I guess. Right. Yeah, it's really yeah. time-consuming, and mm. it's very. It you requires have to be focus. really dexterous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you have to listen, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I can't even I can't even listen to podcasts while doing it. Okay, so <laughs> I suppose I'm listening to a podcast while doing it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I think that's going to be from next week. So uh, this you'll hear this on Monday, and then you'll probably get a bonus episode. So two in one week. 
So actually, this is all good what? news for everyone. Yeah, that's right. It's a win-win. This week, we have been reading Lynchpin, Are You Indispensable? by a Mr. Seth Godin. This was my suggestion. And I kind of regret it. I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I think, as we said when I announced it, it's a couple of years old. It's mm-hmm. 2010, I think. Yeah, 2010. Which is interesting, because you can really tell. There are some points where you're like, oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a little out of date. Mm-hmm. Sam, would you care to try and summarize this? It is a... Um, it is the mind of Seth Godin around this concept of the linchpin, which he pegs as uh, someone who is an artist at work and someone who is indispensable. Yes. Um, and all of the writings around it sort of uh, leads to the central concept of someone being a linchpin. Uh, and how, like, what the qualities of the linchpin is, or what the qualities are. Yeah, it's um, almost like taking responsibility for mm-hmm. yourself and not just taking direction from other people. That would be one of the 100 concepts that he <laughs> puts into play. Um, right. But it's like a series of small writings or essays, um, each one <laughs> loosely uh, related to each other, but all revolving around um the the concept of the linchpin and yeah i would say um it's about well for me when i saw the chapter list it was 135 chapters of uh of him talking about this concept right yeah so you uh listened to this on audible i did i yeah i had the book because it was one i had lying around so let's do the three by threes start with the good points yeah just like any kind of criticism always start with the good stuff first the bibliography is very good. I realize this is where I heard about The War of Art, which is we previously reviewed by Stephen mm-hmm. Pressfield. In fact, there's pretty much a whole section where he just verbatim regurgitates the whole concept of the resistance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say the revision. Uh, the resistance, yeah. In fact, there was a chapter titled The Resistance. Uh, that said, there is the bibliography in the back is quite fantastic. There's dozens and dozens of books that he's kind of recommended uh just like some some of the sections like sociology and economics uh gifts and art mm-hmm. uh education what else we got programming productivity mm-hmm. uh wisdom anyway but yeah there's like a whole bunch of them uh right at the back uh which is good but then is he but it does feel strange to recommend a book uh, that's good at recommending other books right one would hope you could find this list online yeah rather than buying a book just for the bibliography at the back so I think one of the things that I really liked about this book was also his definition of art. And I don't know if it was actually related to what Stephen Pressfield wrote in uh, The War of Art. But it seems like actually Seth Godin actually had his own definition of art. Mm. Um, and I think in one of the things, he actually defines it as a personal gift that changes the recipient. Yeah, that was um, nice. Definitely. The corner pinnings of the linchpin uh, a person who is indispensable is a person who is also an artist at his craft. And I thought that that was pretty meaningful. Um, I like that concept a lot that in in any of the work that you do, if you think about it as something that you create for other people uh, and something as a gift, I thought that that struck a nice chord with me. Like that concept is very generous, you know? Mm, yeah, I agree. And some of the examples that he gave was like uh, Linus Torvalds spending his time writing this open source OS Linux. Mm, 
Yeah. Um, I think just the concept of anything being open source is pretty generous. Um, even like people who write code and have their code available for every anyone to like learn, I think, you know, that's super generous. I mean, that's how I learned to code. Right. And I can never see, for some reason, like I think about five or 10 years ago, even if I had the ability to share my code, I probably wouldn't because I know the amount of work that went into it. But mm -hmm. now I think I'm actually uh, somewhat of a different person and I have no problems like um, sharing my code. And mm -hmm. I think that's like, uh, that was a good sort of turning moment for me. And I can see how like the, this definition of uh, the personal gift that you put out to people is actually very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think I want to take a quick moment to plug that Spotify is open sourcing quite a few of its iOS components <gasps> in the last couple of months. Um, yeah, a couple of folks have been doing some awesome work internally and mm -hmm. making some of these, uh, some of the components that we use in the Spotify app like available. So, right. Even like the backend systems as well. Right. Um, I know that they spend a lot of time um, that have stuff that integrate with like Hadoop and Docker, which are Mm, uh, big yeah. system level um, products yeah. um, and have it open source for people to use. In there just are some good ideas, perhaps piggybacking off your mm -hmm. your uh, thing there, just to be a bit more general. Like It does feel like there are some good ideas mm -hmm. kind of lurking behind the surface. Um, yeah. It's a pretty powerful opening on kind of how the deal, as it were, as he likes to call it, the deal mm -hmm. that, you know, um, the baby boomers and before that kind of signed up for which was shut up do your work in a factory mm -hmm. yeah do your job do it well retire and then the state will take care of you and you get your pension and then that's it and you know well done pat on the back yep and how then nowadays that's not the case at all that was a pretty powerful opening I think I think when I first read this book I was like oh my god that was pretty eye-opening yeah yeah, I loved how he sort of cornerstoned that concept into the ideal of, of industrialism and yeah. how at the time, like, industrialism was really revolutionary. And it makes sense, right? Like, it's, you know, um, making... It's like a team concept. Like, everyone has to sort of pitch in. But then, no matter how you put it, like, it is resolving to that lowest common denominator. Mm. And they built systems around the lowest common denominator. Right. Yes, yes, there's even like the easiest replaceable part. I don't know mm -hmm. if there's a little, I forget exactly what it is, but yes, the smallest replaceable part where right. you can just plug in another human being. If one of someone quits, you can just get someone else to, I guess, you know, flip Big Macs right. or whatever. Yeah. It's sort of like taking it for the team, but, you know, for the greater good, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, like that makes sense, but I can, I totally see like how that leads us to think in a certain way that might not be the best way in terms of us producing things that are great and beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I really like that concept as well. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps just to read a couple of uh, sentences here. I think this is on page four. If you learn how to be one of these workers, uh, that is, workers in factories, if you pay attention in school, follow instructions, show up on time and try hard, we will take care of you. You don't have to be brilliant or creative or take big risks. We'll pay you a lot of money, give you health insurance, offer you job security. We will cherish you, or at the very least, take care of you. And that's a pretty seductive bargain. Mm -hmm. So seductive that for a century we embraced it. And we set up our schools, our systems and governments to support the bargain. Uh, yeah, it worked. It was like the American dream. Uh, but in the face of competition, technology, that bargain has fallen apart. 
you know, job growth is flat. So this was still written in 2010, but, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's still pretty much applicable today. Wages in many industries are in a negative cycle. The middle class is under siege like never before. Yeah, so, uh, suddenly, uh, in the scheme of things, it seems like the obedient worker bought into a sucker's deal. The educated, hardworking masses are still doing what they told, but they are no longer getting what they deserve. It is a very strong opening, and I think as soon as I started listening to it, I was like, oh, like this is excellent. This is going to be really great. Unfortunately, things go downhill after that. <laughs> one more good point. One more good point is that I feel like this is the the best book for when you're brewing coffee. Because <laughs> they're all in sort of short increments. <laughs> it's true. It is snackable content. <laughs> yeah. So it actually caught my... Um, when I was listening to it, I was able to actually go through a lot of it at one point um, and sort of in one sitting because... Yeah, how does the kind of chapter markings or like the chapter demarcations kind of feel in audio form? It's kind of crazy. It did <laughs> feel like I was going through like a stack of medium.com articles, <laughs> like one after another with one being somewhat related to the other. Like, I don't know how split up those chapters were. Like, mm, the they're pretty much just split up into things four or five chapters mm. i think you get uh yeah there's like five five main chapters uh, maybe, maybe more than that actually right uh, let's say about 10 chapters was there like a chapter called gift yes okay because yeah. i felt like i heard 20 medium posts the powerful culture of gifts gifts right and so yes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it was pretty good. Like, I was able to follow each one because each one was about two to four minutes, right? Right. And yeah. and if I ever, like, missed a beat on one, I'd just be able to listen to it again and it wouldn't have... I wouldn't have to catch up, like, a concept, so... <laughs> right. Or if you did, you could just wait and another concept will come along. Exactly. <laughs> or he would actually repeat the concept, like, seven more times. <laughs> uh, and so I was able to eventually get it. I mean, I was also... I i did skip or kind of skim over probably much of the second part that's also because i was pretty lazy this week and Mm. failed to actually do my (laughs) diligent homework and read this in a timely manner so it got to be like two days and like oh fuck i've got to get through this book right so uh yeah but i think also i was still going like what yeah well now what the hell are you talking about okay well maybe i'll just skip over that part i think i think out of all of that there must have been at least like a hundred. I feel like there were about a hundred different small writings, like small essays. Mm, yeah. I feel like maybe 20 are ones that I kind of remember that really stand out. And others were probably either like repeated content or other variations. Taking like an example of a, uh, of a, of an actual story that happened. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's very, what's the word? Shotgun. Yeah, that's exactly it thrown a whole bunch of shit up against the wall and right. some of it has stuck and some of it is uh yeah maybe not right i think but i think we've managed to migrate to the bad points already. right so <laughs> okay. yeah definitely like my initial bad point would be that it isn't it is unstructured it did actually feel like a shotgun of approach of hey here's a linchpin and i'm gonna tell you everything about it blah blah right and it's like <laughs> um there are some ideas that kind of stuck some ideas that made me go wait what and uh it was just sort of sheer numbers but i also felt like it wasn't really structured in a way that was neat 
although it's although it's very structured, it seems mm-hmm. to be incoherently structured. Yeah. You know, I've I was like, oh wait, how did this bit relate to the previous <laughs> yeah. bits? And like, what are, we, what are we talking about now? Right. In fact, I mean that whole chapter on gifts. <laughs> I think I could just mark it as WTF because <laughs> I was like, okay. It's like I sort of get it. There is a couple of things in there that sort of related it to it. But yeah, on the whole, I did wonder like how this really relates to someone being a linchpin. And then, yeah, so just sort of as a side note, not really a bad point. I guess bad point in, in, the, in the fact that it really didn't resonate with me mm-hmm. was that he talked about like sort of writing an outline of something. Right, yeah. and then spending time to make sure you have the full outline. Oh, this was his tip about how he delivered all his projects on time every right. time. And, <laughs> right, and then Use like a waterfall approach, <laughs> totally waterfall approach. And it's like, and then after you have locked down the full spec of what the project would be, you then ask the people and the team if there's any other changes that needed to be made. And I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> That is totally not the way that I would like to be working. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like him coming up with that plan. It wasn't like a team. He specifically said one person should be doing this. <laughs> I wonder if that he kind of meant that more in terms of smaller personal projects, but I don't think he did now that I think about it. Yeah. He was more talking about like, before you take this to a manager... I was like, okay, no, maybe it's not a small project after all. Or right. like, just like a personal thing. Um, and yeah. Yeah, like this idea of thrashing and which is a, you know, changing your mind or mm-hmm. getting stuck in like this decision paralysis. I suppose this was his method for combating that. Right. I did, I did kind of like the idea of thrashing early. To me, I, mm, yeah. I read that as like failing fast initially, right? Yes. And so yeah. that you fail less later. Uh, it was nice to see that he got a couple of airline anecdotes in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mocked those. I was like, oh, Sam will like this. <laughs> oh, and another one. Okay, great. Yeah. The Richard Branson one was pretty good, though. I actually didn't hear that story where he was stuck in an airport um, and he then asked how much a chartered flight was. Yeah. Went to a blackboard and then started selling seats on that chartered flight. Right. After the original flight got delayed or cancelled. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I thought, wow, like that's actually really cool. Yeah. Um, and it was in the Virgin Islands. And I yeah. guess that's how his whole corporation got its name. I guess. Which would be um, kind of awesome. Which which leads me to another bad point is that none of these stories were actually it never sounded like they were proven or a fact. <laughs> it was more like Seth's opinion on the matter and we need to take his word for it do you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah the way that he provided the facts was didn't sound like facts very much like a drunk guy telling you this in the airport or something (laughs) or in a bar rather because he also mentioned jet blue as well that's Uh, right he brought up jet blue and i was like oh wait what was the point here I was like, uh, for years, I'll kind of, I'll read a little abridged version. Uh, for years, people chose to fly on JetBlue for two reasons. First, it was reasonably priced. And second, the flight attendants were terrific. <laughs> uh, no doubt, there were times the staff would have preferred to have a map, a manual or instruction guide on how to be pleasant and personable. But uh, Amy Curtis McIntyre, 
who I think was responsible for JetBlue's shtick, he says, which I don't mm-hmm. quite understand what he means there, right. refused to give him one. Instead, she hired friendly people and motivated them to perform emotional labor. The result, an asset was built, a brand was born, profits were made, and the airline grew. Yeah. So, yeah, so now JetBlue had to choose, should they cut corners and be difficult with the very flight attendants who are key, uh, who are a key marketing element of their success? Or should they, yeah, like, what the fuck? Or should they embrace the fact that one of the, one of the linchpins of the airline is a motivated, connected staff and uh, that rewards the passengers for choosing the airline? I don't quite get what the point is you're talking about here, is that you don't train your staff? <laughs> you don't try train the flight attendants in JetBlue? Yeah. Is that what's so great about JetBlue? Or they... Yeah, if I, if I heard that story like personally at a bar i'd be like yeah it's a great point buddy but then i'd probably walk out of it being going like wait what what exactly was he talking about right but at the heat of the moment of you listening to it it sounds like oh yeah these are great thoughts oh my god that's such a good point like after two glasses of wine you're yeah. reading this be like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> whereas now i'm just going uh what <laughs> so i feel like yeah it's like a booklet of really good quotes right um, <laughs> right. There are lots of really good motivational things in there. Well, there's even a bit about board games as well. Was about there? Candyland? I don't remember that at all. Oh, it's just about how terrible Candyland is. Mm. Basically, how you just pick up a card and do what it says, and that's what it's like if you're not a linchpin. Yeah, that's what life is like, Sam. Do you want to live in Candyland? <laughs> Which I must admit, it's an American board game because uh, I don't think British people quite have a cultural reference point for what the fuck Candyland is. Yeah, I had to. I I was so confused when I first heard Candyland. It kind of sounds like a strip bar, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or John Candy's theme park, <laughs> which would be amazing, by the way. To me, when I was reading the concepts here, or when I was listening to the concept, I was like. This sounds a lot like Jerry Maguire. Do you remember that movie? So it's frustrating. I remember watching it. Mm-hmm. I re- remember very little about it. So, <gasps> oh my god! Like just like this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that probably wasn't your point, though. <laughs> In the beginning of the movie, um, he writes this memo to his team and to the company, which ultimately gets him fired. Okay. To this team of that of agents that handles like um, hundreds of athletes. He gets inspired, like Jerry Maguire, he gets inspired and says, uh, essentially, we just need to build personal connections. So we should have, each agent should essentially have less clients and Mm -hmm. focus on building the relationships of the important ones. Right. And I feel like that's sort of the cornerstone of this message. It's, It's trying to build the smaller, more deeply rooted, meaningful ones um, that allows you to be like, important to uh whatever you're working on um in a way so i felt like there are lots of similarities there and i don't know why i put that as a bad point um maybe i couldn't help thinking about jerry mcguire as i was listening <laughs> it's like a strange mix of quite insightful things and mm-hmm. at the same time kind of like duh things you know mm-hmm. like oh it's just about personal connections you're like well yeah no shit a couple of times it feels like he found a new word and then just loved talking about it like prajna yes yes prajna and then the earlier in the book as well he talks about asymptotes Mm. which is a asymptotic function is a curve that nearly touches a point 
but never quite does. And then he loves the fact that that's like a metaphor for being perfect. <laughs> and then writes his whole three-page thing about about fucking curves and math. And you're like, oh, okay, very good. Well done. <laughs> you, you found a good word for something. He repeats Prajna so many times. Personal, personal interactions don't have asymptotes. <laughs> Innovative solutions to new problems don't get old. I'm like, oh my god, what are you talking about? <laughs> Seek out achievements where there is no limit. See, that'd be a great uh, Instagram quote. <laughs> you know, you write that with like a special font on like a... Sunset, perhaps, or... On a wood background. Yeah, or a sunset. Yes. That shit will be recopied and shared multiple <laughs> times until some wise guy will be like, what, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> All right, so my last peeve on chapter 126 out of 135 <laughs> jesus uh is where he lists the map and the list of how essentially what a linchpin is oh and yeah over oh, this the, se- the seven abilities of the linchpin <laughs> yes is there a list yeah i think the list is actually at like 134 like in summary or something like that oh okay yeah and holy shit, like if he just started off with that, I feel like things would have been so much more structured. <laughs> like, fuck, just give the secret. We bought the book already. <laughs> just say, give us the secret. As always, they just leave the, the actual good shit for the last few pages of a book. Yeah. And just in case you're wondering what the seven abilities of a linchpin are, I will tell you. Number one, provide a unique interface between members of the organization. Number two, Delivering unique creativity. Number three, managing a situation or organization of great complexity. Four, leading customers. Five, inspiring staff. Six, providing deep domain knowledge. Seven, possessing a unique talent. I did not get that at all from all the stuff that I listened to. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Perhaps I'm reading a different section. Uh, But linchpins do two things for the organization. They exert emotional labor and they make a map. Mm. What? I don't know about this map business, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Should we go into the future points of this book? I think so. Yeah, let's do that. So I think overall, like, there were some good points that I got reminded of that were quite um, refreshing to hear. Yeah. And it did did spark a little bit of maybe, um, I guess, ambition back, I guess. Yeah, it is certainly... There are sections that are quite inspiring. Mm. I will, I will admit that. Like it is, yes, there are some quite well, some rousing parts, should we say? Mm-hmm. I do, I do think like I would like to find all the actual medium posts <laughs> <laughs> and find like a small good collection of the ones that I thought were um, re-readable or things that I'd like to bookmark and either share with people, right? Yeah, right you want to share just like a little post rather than the whole damn book yeah exactly i would not recommend this book to others as a whole as a whole yeah i would be the same well i think it's because it's all it's so all over the place mm. i would find it difficult to just recommend on a general level you know it's not it's not a it's simultaneously too wide to be specific but they're not really yeah. specific enough to be like, oh, if you have this problem, you should read this. Yeah, to really go into the details. And I think that's kind of why, not not to compare, but like that's kind of why I really like Sprint. Yeah. 
because it was really tackling a specific problem. But within that specific problem, you can apply it for a number of different things. Yeah, but I realized I now did take a take a star away from Sprint because it was too specific. Mm. <laughs> and then I'm now I'm saying that Lynchpin is not specific enough. <laughs> right, which I think is fine. So. Like, I agree that it's not specific enough. It's very broad. Some points are really specific, but I think you're you're right in saying like it was like that shotgun approach that makes it feel yeah, uh, really I w- broad. Yeah, like I'm not sure who I would suggest reads this right you know other than you sam obviously (laughs) (laughs) i think you know you can tell like he's a smart guy and he's had a lot of influences like um, that is also true like it is super interesting and he is an interesting person and i think he has a lot of good stuff to say yeah but perhaps putting in whole book is too much yeah i would like to revisit stuff that influences book like i'd like to know where he got the concept of the prajna and read the source Mm, yeah and like how he developed that ideology and also he mentions i think pretty much everyone mentions zig ziglar so i feel like i should check his stuff out and see which ones i should read from his well maybe we shall do that in a future book club actually just thinking about it like i think his i mean i skipped over or skim read the the chapter on resistance Mm -hmm. but i feel that actually in in linchpin he does a kind of a better job of describing resistance than maybe Stephen Pressfield did in The War of Art. Mm. So perhaps if people are interested in the resistance, perhaps just read that one chapter. Well, see if you can just buy that one chapter of the linchpin. <laughs> I felt like that, it was but- a little bit wrong. I felt like he described it as something with personality. Something that's out to get you. Whereas Stephen Pressfield's like his concept of the resistance is like it's mindless. It's like it doesn't care. Um, it's just this malevolent force that's constantly there. So I thought it was a little bit different. But I do agree, like, if you want a good summary of, like, what the resistance is, um, which I think is one of the best parts about uh, The War of Art, you can read a couple of the chapters in this book. Final ratings? Um, Mine would be two out of five. Which is poor. Didn't really like it. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree even despite a very strong opening mm-hmm. and some certainly some interesting ideas i think overall a two yeah i did get some good morsels from it um which i think is the reason why i didn't give it a, <laughs> one, get a one out of five <laughs> well that's good that is very charitable of you sam or would you care to reveal next week's book club Book? Yes. So I think I might have mentioned that the reason why we did a couple of non-fiction books is so that I can recommend a fiction book. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm excited. A caveat. Two caveats. Okay. This is a kind of sci-fi-ish fiction book for young adults. Well, I am two of those things. <laughs> and well, I'm an adult. So, so yes. the reason why I'm also recommending this is because I totally see this becoming one of those movie series. Have you just found the new Twilight? Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay. I think this could very well easily be the new Twilight <gasps> without so without that much cheesiness. Okay. Um, but <laughs> it's also written by uh, a very, which I think is a very good author um, in the sort of fantasy slash science fiction realm. Well, I'm on the edge of my seat, Sam. Please, what are we reading? This is book one of book three. 
I have also already read this, but I will reread it. You are a gentleman. But not only that, I actually would like you to listen to the Audible version. I can do that. I think I've saved up credits now. I've got my, I've got <laughs> another credit or whatever, whatever Excellent. the bloody system is. Yes. So let me look it up of, so that I can read you the description. Okay. <laughs> um, You're really enjoying this, I can tell. <laughs> I've, I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been thinking about this for six weeks now. Very good. Um, the book is called Steelheart, The Reckoners, Book One by Brandon Sanderson. I know nothing about this at all. I'm going to give you a summary that's not like uh, a written summary. Um, okay. A spoken summary, perhaps? A spoken summary <laughs> that is okay. summarized by yours truly. Okay, excellent. Um, oh, the other thing is, this, this book is 12 hours and 14 minutes. Okay. But I feel like because it is a story, um, you can actually listen to it a little bit more passively and just enjoy the story for what it is. And Serial has ended this week, so that's one less podcast I need to listen to. There it is. So, perfect. Um, so the summary is that uh, all of a sudden in our world, um, people started getting um, these superpowers uh, because of this one event that's called the Calamity. It's like this star that like overshadows the um, the country. And once it came, like people all of a sudden started getting superpowers. But everyone who got superpowers just turned evil. Whoa. Um, and uh, I think in the book, they're called epics. Okay. And they're all evil. And they want to take over everything. The Reckoners are a group of humans that are taking down the epics. Well, I've learned so many new words. <laughs> and I'm excited. <laughs> I'm actually on the third one, which is the final one. But I've stopped because I wanted to go through um, the first one again. And that is what we shall do for the next two weeks. So let me know what you think. Well, you have to wait two weeks and then you'll find out. <laughs> I'm actually really nervous. Well, after the devil you know, you should be, Sam. <laughs> you didn't finish Daredevil. I didn't. No. Um, where, where, where are you? What are you up to? I'm on episode nine. Mm, okay. Oh, you still got a little, little ways to go. I think it's yeah. 12. Yeah. You know, I always forget how much more content there is in a uh, one hour, one full hour episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Without yeah. ads. Yeah, without yeah. ads. And then I watch like halfway through thinking it's like done and I pause it. I'm like, shit, I'm only halfway <laughs> through this episode. It's like, yeah, it's. I think each episode is like 56 minutes. And that is such a huge difference from like 42 minute episodes. Yeah. Which yeah. are like the normal one hour episodes on TV. How are you feeling about it? Uh, entertaining. Ah, Let me just sense. put it that way. Okay. Uh, yeah, I will be interested to see... What you say after episode twelve? Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, no, I shan't. I shan't poison you any further. Right. <laughs> I drew a hand for my ninja. All I drew was a hand. Oh, did you find that easier? Well, I'm practicing hands. I'm not very happy with the hand. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're ending the we're ending the show on a downer again. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm still practicing. I'm getting better. Um, friend of the show, Falcon said that my ninjas were incredible and i was like <gasps> oh. no they aren't <laughs> and he was like but that's probably not what you wanted to hear <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was great i think they're pretty damn good too yeah serial ended this week so i finished serial how is it you, worth listening how are you how are you did you you stopped right i've you stopped you paused i have too many things to listen to mm. 
I do want to pick up a lot of the stuff that you mentioned, which is... <laughs> right. He's all swamped on a backlog of recommendations. Yeah. yeah, like I really want to listen to Creative Coding. <laughs> I dumped like three on you last week. <laughs> the Rebound and Turning This Car Around, because I feel like those yep. really relate to me. You're right, they, they do have Sam written all over them. Yep. All over I, them. I was also wondering if there is like a gardening podcast. <laughs> Just a complete <laughs> Sam's interests. My suburban, yeah, because I've decided to start a vegetable garden. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I want to start a vegetable garden. I'm going to be growing my own vegetables. Decided which vegetables would be in yes. there? Yes, so spring onions. Or, oh, nice. Uh, I think you call them uh, oh, no, we, scallions. We, uh, no, we call them spring onions. Okay. You call them scallions, yeah. Um, nice. oh, are you doing broccoli at all? No, no broccoli. Oh, I am doing Korean basil. That is my favorite vegetable. Ooh. And... Nice. Tomatoes. Yeah, tomatoes should be great. Just yeah. they need a shit ton of water, so they do. You know. But oh so delicious though. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's it's it is a game of patience. You make me yearn for a backyard. It's actually um we're Windy doing box. it on a raised yeah, uh, oh. a raised garden bed. Oh that's awesome. Oh that makes it easy as well from insects and slugs and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Gosh, wow, sounds like you're all perfectly set up. So I was thinking if there was a podcast that actually talks about raised garden beds or like vegetable gardening. Yeah. They and they be. timed it weekly because <laughs> there is a specific planting season, maintenance season, mm, yes. and growing season and harvesting right. seasons. Yeah. Oh. Well, if no one's doing that, we should do that. It would, <laughs> it would sort of be perfect. Or And all the apps for it are so shitty. Oh, yeah. You like There should be a, like a vegetable planting scheduling yeah. app. Right? Yeah. And like as soon as you plant it, it sort of, it can gamify like what you should be doing next and sort of like a countdown for it and doing some smart algorithms as to like how much you should generally be watering your entire patch, right? (laughs) You have a smart watering can connected by Wi-Fi. There you go, (laughs) which takes all the fun out of gardening. No, just fuck it. Just it's just a service that just delivers vegetables to your door. Exactly. We'll grow the raised garden bed for you. We'll send you pictures of it. Make sure it's growing. It's going to be your specific thing. <laughs> and then when the time comes, we'll just deliver it to your doorstep. Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to call it Fresh Direct. Sam, where'd you come up with these ideas? <laughs> we can end on you being hilarious about vegetables. Perfect. <laughs>